Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. With the breeding season just weeks away, dairy specialist George Ramsbottom gives us his top tips on getting cows fit for breeding. Then just talk for a second about why calves are coming early, and the, what's driving it is are the genetic changes that are happening with our dairy herd. So a few years ago there, when this started to arise, I was speaking to ICBF about it and we looked at some of the data that they had on individual bulls. And when they looked through the calving sub-index of bulls, what they're finding is that for every 10 euro increase in calving sub-index, gestation length in those bulls is declining by a day and a half. So their base calving uh, gestation length is 286 days. And a 50 euro uh, calving sub-index is associated with a gestation length about a week shorter than that, just over a week shorter than that. And then at the same time, we're now seeing herds of cows with calving sub-indexes of 30 and 40. So this in turn is is adding, is giving an additional shortening to the calving interval. So what's typically happening now is you'll find that highly fertile herds with a high calving sub-index using bulls again with a high with a large value for calving sub-index have gestation lengths typically around 275 to 276 days so this has an immediate impact on decisions around start of, of breeding and start of calving so between the 1st of may and the 31st of january next there are 275 days so what I would suggest is that for farms thinking of uh, 1st of February starting date, uh, breeding, starting the breeding season would typically be planned for the 1st of May rather than sometime in late April. So we're, we're starting to see a real tightening there. And this means uh, a later start or rec- we'd recommend a slightly later start to the breeding season this spring. And then looking at the, the team of bulls and, and selecting the right team particularly for your farm. Remind us, George, in terms of bull team size, what are we targeting? And I suppose we look uh, firstly at the average herd size in the country in and around 90 to 100 cows. How many bulls should that uh, farm have? When we talk about 90 to 100 cows, we're actually talking about cows and maiden heifers that are bred to AI. So for 100, our recommendation, for 100 cows and heifers, our recommendation is seven bulls to spread the risk of individual bulls having a reduction in, in EBI. For a herd of 200 cows, this would increase to between 10 and 11 bulls. And for herds of 300 cows and maiden heifers, this would increase to 13, maybe even 14 bulls. And looking at the seven, eight bulls for that, say, 100 cow herd, um, what pr- proportion of one bull should be maximum across the herd? So those bulls would need to be used evenly. So it's around 15% is the most calves we'd like to see from any individual bull in a herd, or at least the, that's the amount of use he'd get. The calves is a different matter. But if he should be the, those seven bulls should be used evenly across the herd, or 10 or 11 bulls used evenly across the herds to generate the next calf crop. And then if we look at specific traits for a herd, you know, how do we identify the traits that we need to improve on? So ICBF have generated a new report this year. It's a, a herd EBI scorecard. And what it allows you to do is 
relative to other herds in the country, it allows you to see where you're positioned for the various sub-index within your herd. So for example, the two key ones would be milk and fertility and different herds will be strong in milk and they may be strong also in, in fertility or vice versa. They could be weak in one and strong in the other. And with using the EDI herd scorecard, what they can do is select teams of bulls that are that have slightly stronger emphasis on traits that are deficient within those herds. So bulls, herds that are low in milk sub-index could select a team of bulls that is a bit higher in milk sub-index, uh, particularly if their fertility is already fairly good. And where do we find this scorecard, George? Okay, so it'll be, it's actually been printed and posted uh, to all farms around the country at the moment, Emma-Louise. So it should be in the post. And then looking to heifers, George, there have, have been some changes in terms of the calving difficulty and the advice around heifers. So I suppose, what should farmers be looking out for when they're um, selecting bulls specifically for heifers? Uh, ICBF has um, changed the way it evaluates calving difficulty. It now categorizes um, four different calving difficulty values. Uh, two of them are for dairy cattle. One is for dairy cows and the second is for dairy heifers. And this is all based on data that you, the farmers, are submitting back to ICBF. And the reason they've done that is because some bulls uh, will have an easy calving value, but are actually not that easy calved on heifers. And the, the, um, conversely, there are bulls there that would seem to have a slightly higher calving difficulty rate, but farmers are reporting that when they're calved, crossed on heifers, they're actually easy enough, easily enough calved. So what they've done is they've <clears throat> rated now, they give you a, a separate rating on the bull list for calving difficulty in cows and calving difficulty in heifers. And this is to give a, a, a truer reflection of the reality of calving heifers compared with calving cows. So they, if you look at the active bull list, each bull will be ranked on a relatively a relative risk of calving difficulty in maiden heifers. So they'll be ranked low, medium, or high. And I suppose what we've done in Chagask is we've actually generated a file that goes one step further and it, it looks at even more even greater levels of reliability. And then within that it's we've ranked, we've created a bull listing that advisors have that allows you to select uh, bulls that are both highly reliable for heifer calving difficulty, but are more suitable for larger heifers or, or lighter heifers um, in the current, for the coming breeding season. So that's available from your Chagas advisor. We can ring it to talk about it. So, so as you say, there, there's um, a more specific and targeted um, advice in terms of bulls for heifers. And, and I suppose we're looking at the, the low risk um, bulls and this is available from our advisors, this list. Yeah, so you can use the active bull list or if you want a belts and braces approach, you can talk to Chagas advisors and look at the list that they have available to them. And then looking, I suppose, as an overall strategy, George. Um, so we're going to breed cows in the coming months. And, you know, the the heifer calves are going to be on the ground in the spring of 2021. And they're actually going to be the heifers milking in the herd in the spring of 2023. 
Um, you know, what is the strategy, you know, to ensure that those um, heifers that are milking in 2023 are going to be, you know, the highest EBI stock possible? Well, I suppose the starting point will be on the bull side, and that's to use the active bull list and use some of the top bulls that are available on that list uh, for, to breed the next generation of dairy heifers. And then on the other side, we look at the herd that you have. So for compactly calved herds uh, that are you know, reasonably stable in terms of herd size and don't need massive numbers of heifers, there are opportunities there to select within the cow herd the more suitable or the higher EBI, better performing cows for breeding to the top EBI bulls, as well as breeding your maiden heifers, because typically your maiden heifers will be of higher genetic merit than the cows anyway. So I would say breed all the heifers. And if you have scope, select within the cows for the, the higher EBI, higher performing cows uh, to choose the next generation of heifers. So typically, if we look at a herd with an 85 to 90% uh, six-week calving rate, so it's a compactly calved herd, and we're looking to breed 25% of your 25% of the herd as heifer. So we want 25 heifers born next year per 100 cows. In that scenario, I'm breeding all of the maiden heifers to AI. There's an opportunity there to breed roughly 20 to 30% of the less lower end of the dairy cows to beef AI this spring to, uh, and still have adequate heifers coming along next year. And I guess, you know, for that 30%, there's a function on the sire advice where you can select for beef mating and you won't have any dairy AI selected for those cows on your breeding charts. That's correct, Emma Louise. And what you can do then is you can save that, you can download it or send it on to AI techs, uh, technicians, if they're going to use it for the coming season. If you're going to do it yourself, you can print off your own report um, and have that on pinned up to help you decide on the straws you're going to use for which cows. It's a great tool, the sour advice, great tool. In terms then, George, you, you mentioned that if we want cows to start calving in and around the 1st of February, we're going to start breeding on the 1st of May. So, you know, essentially today we're approximately four weeks out from breeding. You know, what do we need to do in the next month to get cows fit for breeding and I suppose cycling and ready for the mating start date? So step one, Emma-Louise, would be a body condition score of the herd to see where they're at. So cows that are... 2.75 or you know, warm, good warm condition at this stage are better than that. Those cows are fine and they should be fine for the breeding season. It's the thinner cows, you know, really, really milky cows or animals that had a bit of a difficulty around calving time that are sipping below two and a half of a body condition score. You'll know those cows. Those cows have a, a, a kind of a prominent uh, plate, ribs showing, nar- uh, no fat around the tail head. Those cows, ideally, what, what I would do with them, and it, it might only be 5% of your herd, I'd put those cows or as many of them as I could on once-a-day milking. Give them the chance to recover. It's amazing when they go to once-a-day milking. Mark them, let them in with the main herd. Make, bring them in twice, but only milk them once a day. Put tape on the leg or whatever it takes to mark them out. Uh, it's amazing how quickly they recover in, in body condition score when they go on once-a-day milking. And usually within two or three weeks, most of those cows will actually start to cycle themselves because their body condition has has recovered and the pressure has been taken off them. The second thing you do then is to start tail painting now. Sounds early, but just tail paint. Don't do a whole lot more than that. Paint them all in red. And as they're bred, 
change the paint to green. And by doing so, what you're doing is you're, you're creating a kind of a record or a database of cows that are already cycling. And about a week out from calving, or even slightly less than that, target the cows that haven't uh, had any paint removed. These cows are non-cyclic. Now, the majority of them will, will have been calved for more than 30 days. So they should be cycling before the breeding season starts. And I recommend uh, veterinary intervention at this stage, or at that stage, a week out from the start of breeding, roughly the 27th of April, typically, uh, veterinary intervention to get most of those cows uh, cycling. Some of them will have been cycling, some of them will need uh, an intervention to, to bring them into season and have them going for the breeding season. And then when we look to the start of the breeding season in and around the 1st of May, you know, we're, we're looking at a few key fertility targets in order to hit our six week calving rate of 90 percent. And I suppose the, the first one we look at is the three week submission rate. So when we hit the 1st of May, what can we do to ensure that we have our 90 percent submission rate in the first three weeks? OK, so having, you know, uh, intervened with non-cyclic cows, and having ensured or recorded the rest of the cows uh, bullying over the, the months before the start of the breeding season, we'll have a good record of when cows are predicted to be bullying. So we'll know when the cyclic cows should be repeating. We'll know also from the veterinary intervention when the non-cyclic cows will be coming bullying. And the third thing, Emma Louise, is to focus on the replacement heifer uh, group of animals that are around the place. And what I would recommend them to be practiced every year at Oak Park with our maiden heifers for the Moor Park herd. What we practice there is we will breed to natural heat for one week. So we'll typically we'll start on say that it'll be the we'll say it's the first of, of May or it might even be the fourth of May the following Monday. Then a week after we start, it might be the eleventh of May, any heifer that hasn't by then been bred, she'll receive uh, two cc's of prostaglandin to induce heat in those heifers and they'll come bullying typically over the Wednesday and Thursday of that second week. So they'll be injected on Monday. Most of them will re respond to it on Wednesday, Thursday and the last of them on Friday. And we'll compactly, we'll compactly breed the maiden heifers as well as having the cows bred in the first, as many cows as possible, bred in the first three weeks of the breeding, breeding season. So you're looking at breeding all of your replacement heifers over a, a 10 to 12 day period with that system? Correct, correct. And George, just finally, when we look at, um, I suppose, the challenges we're facing at the moment with COVID-19 and, and, you know, the major restrictions it's putting on everyday life, you know, there's there's a few comments coming out from AI companies in terms of how technicians will operate in the coming weeks and months. Have, have you any comment on that? Yeah, so I've been assured by the AI companies uh, that, first of all, there's plenty of semen available. And the good news is a lot of it is out in in pots at the moment with their AI technicians. Uh, so that's that's important. We know that the supply is there. The second part of the whole thing is that the, to continue supply, they have the AI companies have effectively uh, split teams operating at laboratory level. So if one team uh, has a problem or a health problem, there's a second team available to stand in and keep supply coming. So we have. Lots of semen in pots already. We have a strategy in place to con keep the supply of or the stocks of straws replenished. There, there are comforting uh, messages for us. But the third part of it is, is the whole AI technician. The AI technician is a most under 
uh, valued member of the whole team. They're hugely, hugely important. They're, they deliver a, a very skilled uh, service in a professional and efficient manner. And we, we as farmers have to respect these people. And what it means is that distancing or social distancing will be important. Leave, leave a message up with the cows that are to be bred. Don't get close to the eye technician when the breeding is going on. Leave them alone. We don't want uh, uh, contact or physical or any sort of contact between the AI technicians and farming uh, people because the AI technician has to visit a lot of farms in the one day. The peak of the AI season will be in the first three weeks of May and we do not want uh, AI technicians going down. Having said that, the AI companies again are reassuring us that they have contingency plans in place uh, should AI technicians fall ill with COVID-19. So there is reassurance there that there should, there should be, there will be a continued supply, uh, continued availability of AI technicians to have a network in place to replace ill people. And the only other bit of advice they'd give us is that we should, uh, anyone that's ordering uh, semen for their own tanks uh, should uh, get those orders in as soon as possible just to ensure that they have stocks distributed to them well in advance of the breeding season. So that's they're the message that I'd leave you with there, Emily. And I guess just to sum up our conversation, George, like many children across the country who are getting homework from their their teachers um, by email, um, we have some homework for farmers. And I suppose right now what we're looking at is body condition scoring the herd and taking action on the thinner cows. And then secondly, to tail paint the whole herd and, and, and I suppose monitor where cows still have the tail paint um, just before the onset of breeding to take action on those with the vet. Thank you, George. Thanks, Emily-Louise. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to George Ramsbottom for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.